0: Hello everyone and welcome, welcome back to the Curiosity Complex. My name is Nat and I have a fantastic guest on today. Can't wait to learn more about his experiences. Um, so yeah, this is, a. have had a lot of podcast episodes over the last couple of days. It's been fantastic. But yeah, without further ado, let's um, let my first, well, my, my newest guest introduce himself.
1: <laughs> okay, everybody, I'm, I'm Richard Cooper. Um, I'm 55, I'm a Yorkshireman. I'm a I'm managing director for 30 years until a couple of years ago when I decided it was time to come out of corporate life and, uh, and carve my own path and I have sort of settled into a, a co- sort of consultancy, mentoring, business advisory kind of role um, and I'm trying to fill up a couple of days a week just to pay for my wife's handbags and our holidays. And um, what I really like about that is it's very, very varied. There's never two companies the same. Um, yes, a lot of the issues are strategy and people related. And I have to say, a lot of the time, it's kind of the boss that's causing the trouble. <laughs> so it's uh, very kind of you to, uh, to invite me on that. Um, you'll remember we met at a, a self-development course, so you never stop learning. You're a bit younger than me, but um, we all keep learning and developing. So it's nice to keep in touch and and perhaps pay the favour back.
0: Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Okay, that's really cool. Um, well, lots to talk about then. Um, so in terms of your um, how you got into that position as managing director, um, what yep. company? What company was that? And where did that kind of all start for you?
1: Okay, that started in 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 West Yorkshire. If I take you back to do probably 1980 okay so I was 16 (laughs) before you were born and um, my father uh, played snooker at at a sports club with a guy that owned a business and then I ended up going there sweeping up during the holidays and then decided that actually when college wasn't for me and I got absolutely frozen stiff trying to get to Huddersfield on my motorbike in a, in a midwinter's afternoon, I decided I wanted to start work and forget studying, or at least do something closer to home. So, I ended up doing doing the knowledge, starting from the bottom, making tea. It felt like all my education had been wasted, but the end result, or let's say the end game, was always sold to me by um, my, my father's friend's son, who was in charge of the business at that time, and his dad wasn't running it anymore. So, he was young blood, he was five years, six years older than me, and he was selling me this dream of one day, you know, cheeky chap like you might be able to make a living out of selling. So, I was chasing this product knowledge, um, trying to pick up as much experience and as much, um, as, as much, uh, experience and knowledge and, and product knowledge as I could to try and set my stall out for doing a professional job going out into the wide world selling. I always fancied myself as a probably a bit of a salesman because I'm not a shy guy and um, I'm able to to make people laugh and usually it's people by people and the rest history. So I ended up doing a couple of years in the warehouse there um, and then realising it was time to perhaps have a, a try in the office. So speaking face, not face to face, but certainly first hand to customers, um, and then just learning the admin role, learning what you had to do in a business, what an invoice was, what a credit note was, just stuff like that, that a naive 17 year old really doesn't know. So then I went on from there to be sales office manager. Uh, and then when it was time, and there was sufficient wool on the back. I was pushed out onto the road and um, did a little sales training course and then spent the rest of my sort of four or five years after that. Um, really cutting my teeth out there in the marketplace, trying to promote the company's products and services. I suppose what I learned the most out of that was you had to dust yourself down a lot and start afresh with every new customer. Because even if you get turned down, there's always 10 more that could say, yeah, that's really what I had in mind. So it's always pays just to wipe the slate clean, press reset and get out there again, pick yourself up and do that. So from there, uh, I'll take a breath in a second. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I went um, to become sales manager at that company, and uh, recruited two, three, four sales guys in the period that I was there. So I became kind of head of sales. So I had youth experience. Um, strangely, with a good mix there. So I had some good ideas, some um, some good some good uh, inspiration for different ways to do selling, um, and then. From there, I decided um, that having been there, say, I think I was there probably about 15 years, quite successful. The company moved, it expanded. We were up to something like a 4 million turnover at that time. Oh, wow. And I I got poached by a competitor. (laughs) And I saw no way to get past my boss and his brother because they were only three or four years older than me. And there was no way they were going to give me any shares. And they gave me a nice bonus from time to time, but it never really seemed like it was equitable it was always i've got to argue for a grand more or something like that so I ended up leaving the business and then what happened is about four years after that the company got sold and um the company got sold and then the new owners asked me if i'd like to come back for an interview to potentially take on the managing director's role um as i'd been kind of all those years i suppose pointing towards that um I mean, that was interesting, really interesting, because I had to work under my old boss, who I just basically told I'm not going <laughs> to work here anymore because he was on a profit share and oh, I, had to, I had to be really cordial and, and, and professional with him. And he got really, really fraught at times because he hated the fact that I got back. Um, and I was loving the fact that he was going soon. So <laughs> I had to work under for probably 18 months, which was the worst period in business that I'd had to undergo um so he left that was the end of 1999 um so from 2000 to uh, 2016 2017 I was back in there as managing director and doing what I'd kind of always dreamt of doing which was having um independence and autonomy to kind of go and do what I wanted without him moaning at me and saying why are you doing this and my new bosses were a Swiss corporate company and providing there was good logic and justification behind the stuff I was doing they kind of let me get away with not being part of this corporate monster so example of that might be um, a bit of capital expenditure everybody else had to fill out a form where I just got it and said it's only this much I've got it anyway because we needed it and they'd say yeah okay then but you know just keep that to between us too so my boss was quite good and uh he he let me have a fairly free reign because i didn't cause him any trouble and i suppose the advice i got to anybody was you're not you haven't got a divine right to do that or expect to do that but providing your bottom line your profitability is at expectation level or beyond then no one's gonna really cause you too much trouble yeah so that's where I was at with the corporate side and that took me to around about 2017 um is that enough explanation of where I've come from oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah
0: um I mean I mean some people would probably hear that and the the conventional way of doing things nowadays um in my generation at least is to be to go to university um get a degree and then once you've got a degree you can then go on to the jobs like you mentioned yeah starting the yeah. starting jobs yeah um so how how did you find you know you mentioned the first job you had was basically just making tea um yeah. in, the, in the business yeah um, how, how did you find was there like a really steep learning curve for you coming out of college just dropping out of school basically and, and turning up at this place and trying to learn all the things they were talking about
1: um well i had a natural thirst for knowledge so i actually became very enthusiastic sucking all this stuff up and um, I think once warehouse people have the idea, and this is with the greatest respect to people who have lowly jobs, they know they're probably not going to advance as quick as you might be. So once they get over their envy, they kind of almost ridicule you about, you know, golden balls or super kid or something like that. <laughs> and, and actually, ironically, 20 years later, I was, I was their boss. So it kind of worked. Um, and I, I would say that the, my motivation was always the end game the dream that I'd been promised. If I did well, um, I'd get a company car and I'd get a bonus. And, and I kind of followed that dream. I think the other part of that, that I can look back now and think of is that I had two other interests in my life apart from work. Um, I'm a drummer and I nearly went to music, well, I did go to music college. Um, and I kept on doing that in a band while I was just passing these two years away in my numbingly kind of boring jobs, if you like. But I always had the drumming practice to go to and the band, we did gigs. So that was great. And I also played sport. I played table tennis and I played in two or three different leagues. So half my week i would taken care of it anyway. So it was like, just bide your time, keep yourself chirpy and, and it'll all be all right. And I suppose once that started to manifest itself into, yes, this job's now materializing into, you know, you're, you're a fully fledged salesman, you can do and do your own thing. And then I became very interested in different ways to sell, different approaches to people, trying to deal with prospects on an individual by merit basis, which actually taught me a lot of things about life and dealing with people, because not everyone is the same, clearly. So you have to tailor your act to suit your customer. But in real life, you've got to tailor your act to suit who's sat opposite you, like I am now
0: yeah yeah okay cool that's really interesting so did you ever have any you, know, you mentioned there were two years where you were just kind of not really doing all that much yeah uh, and it, and the impression i get from from how you the things that you say and the way that you talk is that you've you have a really good mindset in terms of the resilience side of it so always bouncing back even if you get knocked down sort of thing yeah uh, have you have you always had that or was it quite was it difficult in those early years when you were trying to get started to keep the motivation up
1: well, it's something that goes back even further. It's just like sitting on a, on a shrink's couch, is it? <laughs> but I, I've always been a very resilient person. I've always been a self-starter. I've always found the glass half full, and I've always bounced back from things. And a lot of, if you went to see a psychotherapist, they might say to you, well, that goes back to when you were 10 years old, wasn't it? <laughs> and you think, "Why? where do you get that from? You're just justifying. But actually... Um, what happened when I was 10, I had a bone tumour, a cancer in my leg, which got caught just in time. And I had radiotherapy, chemotherapy, and was in hospital on and off for about four or five months. Oh, wow. Lost all my hair. Age 10, lost Jeez. all my hair and still maintained an education yeah. and kept friendships going and kind of bounced back from that. So whether it's phony, whether it's Derek Okora or, or what, it doesn't matter. It's just it's something that probably is inbred into me to be a fighter. Um, and try and be disciplined. I mean, I've always tried to say, don't do the stuff you like doing first. Do the hardest stuff first. Get a couple of quick wins under your belt. And then, you know, I used to have this thing where I was out on the road. So if you do your first call by eight o'clock, you'll have the second one in by nine. And most people are just starting to think about their first one at that time. And I'm already two two in the bank. So that taught me a bit about the early bird and all the great proverbs that your mum used to tell you actually they're bloody true and yeah the some proverbs for a reason because people validate them and think that they're useful so yeah resilience is, is is a big thing with me and um if you've got a can-do attitude then usually you'll find a way somehow to do it now sometimes you don't always know which way you're going to go or what ideas you've got to get there but you kind of know it's going to be all right in the end somehow and it's not i don't say that in a smug way I say that in a way that makes me quite proud when I look back and think of some of the things that I've accomplished. Um, you know, I was I was an MD very early on in my life, mid twenties, and I'm thinking, whoa, that's quite good. They really. say I didn't go to university, but when I went to, um, I went on um uh, I went to Cookham to the London Business School. So I'm I'm just about to enrol on this um, this business course, a week's residential course in Cookham, when I was about maybe 28 or something like this. And um, I had to ring the course director because the pre qualification for being on the course was to have a degree. Oh, I see. So I rang the guy. and He was from Canada, the guy that ran the course. He came for a week, got a load of money for doing it. And he he, he rang me back. And I'm thinking, flipping out that's nice of him. He said, Richard, how long have you been in business? I said, well, I've been working for, for over a decade. He goes, well, that's better than a degree.
0: <laughs> true. Very, very so true. Calm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Tom, you're not supposed to say that. He said, no, no, seriously, the, the, what you're experienced and what you've had to put up with has almost given you a vocational degree. And that's what he was talking about, real life experience. So I remember those. And, and I always say to people who prepared to get stuck in, if you roll your sleeves up, then it will pay you back, definitely.
0: Yeah. Apologies, everyone. And Richard, um, my dogs are going a bit mad at the minute. Um, they say they seem to be a recurring thing within the podcast Um, they just constantly bark whenever I try to do a do an episode which is great Um, I think it's this time of time of evening but anyway um, so that yeah that's that's really interesting and I know exactly I can totally relate you know in terms of people have degrees but if you spend a decade in business before that point then Mm. because degrees often don't teach you enough about just the day-to-day interactions you have with people because it's all, you know, the theory based type things and writing essays, which isn't anything to do with meeting someone and trying to sell them a product that you're selling. You know, um, that's...
1: I think what I, I find is that I meet a lot of uh, younger adults and I choose my words carefully there because they're not kids anymore. They're, they're, yeah. you know, they can have a mortgage if they need one. Um, but I find on many occasions is that they don't really have a relationship relationship with real life they don't know how to have a quality discussion with somebody they can't argue without getting angry just life skills that you learn along the way so if you lose your rag you will never get your way so um, i think that people have a lot to learn and and there could be some radical um course that you could run which would be an accelerated experience degree if you can yeah. you can't teach experience you have to experience experience otherwise it's not experience so when I do a lot of my consulting work and go in businesses with people, I find that some of the, some of the younger end need this kind of uh, reminder that that's not real life, what you've been doing for the last four years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is real life here where people behave like idiots and, and, and they do things just because they can. And, and you've got the, the you know, the, the bad apple in the corner who never agrees to anything. And these are challenges that you've got to try and overcome and, and watch out for because, I suppose you've heard the old saying, you know, I wish, I wish I knew I knew then what I know now. Yeah. And yeah. I wish I had it even 30 years ago. I wish I could have known that some people are complete blockers. Some people don't need to be a part of it and shouldn't be a part of it. So why don't we bin them off early? And, and I think that's probably a brilliant mistake I've made throughout my business life is I've hung on to people who probably I've known and know hopeless for a while and I should have made take some action earlier but everyone still everyone can still learn you're always learning that's
0: true yeah yeah so how much in terms of that that learning thing that we were just talked about um how much did you learn in your first few years of being a salesman because it occurs to me that you were probably always a very good salesman in the first place you're you're very much a people person it seems like at least now so in those early years of being a fully fledged salesman were you did you ever yeah. struggle or was it always quite a smooth ride
1: well I'm going to sound a bit smug when I say it was quite a smooth ride.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um I probably um we ended up tripling the company turnover within 5 years. And uh, this is a company that had been going for 40 years. So clearly the the new boss was was over the moon with what we were doing and 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 he looked after me in terms of cars and treats and stuff like yeah. that, that. For me when I was early 20s a car was what you wanted. Forget the money. I've got enough time to learn that. I, I just want uh, something that the girls will go after. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't all go after it, but uh, you know, seriously, that's it was something that um, I think I learned quite quickly um, how to rub along with people, and I think I was more probably captivated by the techniques because it's okay listening to somebody, and you watch Walkman Wise, you can watch. An interviewer like Michael Parkinson or even this guy called Hats Johnson, he can even interview you well. (laughs) But there's there's a technique behind it, and it's not all made up flying from the seat of your pants. When you get a sale, you've had to do a lot of preparation, a lot of uh, approach work, a build up. You've created the need. You've asked some open questions. and, And there's a lot more to it than just going, can I have the order? Um, otherwise, you just give stuff away and make no money and, 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 and don't do as many sales as you could if, you, if you're a professional. So I think in any job, certainly selling where it's a people thing, um, you need to have the basic science in place behind it. And, you know, you know, we, we did stuff together about different people types and there are the enthusiastic people, the analytical people, the, the amiable people. And you can't do the same approach to all three or four different types of people. You've got to tailor your act. So the guy that has no time, who wants it all on one piece of paper, then you better be sure you do it that way. And if you do yeah. it that way, you'll beat everybody else because they didn't know how to do it. So it's never, it looks, well, the skill is to make it look easy. And of course you can make it look easy if you're good at it. And. I was able to um, benefit from training that I had, I badgered my boss for something every year and bless him, he said, yeah, fine, yeah, yeah, so we made enough money and he says, go on the course, what have you learned this time? He always wanted to debrief when I got back as well, which was bloody night, because I remember we did the, um, what did we do, transactional analysis about the parent and the adult and the, and the kid and he goes, well, I'm not one of those and you think, well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> paid for this bloody rubbish i said ah just leave it with me so i used to have a bit of fun like that really and and, and try and whatever i learned outside i always used to take it back in the business anytime i saw a speaker or a resource they say how could i make use of that inside the business with my people and i've always done that i've always taken it back in and you know reshaped it and put my spin on it and and, and it's trading for free then isn't it
0: yeah 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 oh, that's yeah. really interesting okay so in terms of like where the whole uh, going back really quite far now um i'm jumping yep. about a bit but um in terms of where this kind of love of business came from because you've hmm. been in business a very long time and you've done it for you know th- we probably met uh, hundreds of people doing this so yeah. wh- where did it all start in the first place where did you turn around and go out of college was it why was it business instead of something else that really caught your attention
1: oh um Well, I think the honest answer to that is I don't think I really had any idea of what I actually wanted to do. Okay, yeah. Um, It seemed appropriate that somebody was offering me uh, a a road out of college and was going to pay me for doing it. So I thought, hey, that's all right, I'll try a bit of this. Now, I suppose um, I I, I wanted to be a pro drummer, probably. I wanted to go on cruise ships and do all that lazy stuff. But actually, I'm not a lazy person, really. And I would have got pretty bored with that. Um, so, you know, the, the recreational hobbies end up being recreational hobbies. But my thirst for business was, I think I liked the, the chase. I liked the challenge of turning somebody from a no, haven't got time, to yes, I'll have 10 of those if you're the right price kind of thing. So it was that, I think, it was like an upward spiral of... Um, confirming that I got it right, and that made me feel positive about trying it again and being a bit more audacious with the next guy, not giving him as big a discount and asking for a bigger order. And you know, and I think it becomes quite intoxicating. The business process generally does become intoxicating. I know some people that are deal junkies, and they're just, they just they don't do any paperwork. They just want to close deals. And and I think that's all right. But I prefer a more balanced approach to that and 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 I, I have to temper that that thirst for a deal and look at why i'm doing it and, and who's going to benefit from it rather than just deal 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 yeah yeah i've always always fascinated me though i think you know whatever you look in life i look now you know you, you were right in saying it's nearly 40 years since i started in business that's crazy but if you can call sweeping floor and um, starting to be <laughs>
0: No. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Always fascinated me. um, And I look around now and whatever you look at, always somebody's done a bit of business to get there or sold somebody something to get there. Um, An idea, a franchise or, you know, even time, you know, sell your time. And there's always some incentive. So there's a, a bit of bartering, a bit of dealing going on wherever you look. And you can get so much more out of life if you understand the mechanics of that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So did you ever read any, any books or anything to learn this? Or was this literally just on the fly, all the, your experiences from the different people that you met every day?
1: I went on two or three um, courses quite early on in my sales career. Um, there was a company in Warwick who used to use John Cleese videos and stuff like that. They yeah. were called structure training. They're probably not going anymore, but... Um, I started with um, selling by telephone and then um, selling the basics and then selling the advanced and the masterclass. So graduated through the whole kind of spectrum of what they had to offer. And I think I got to know them and trusted them as a company. And usually what I I learned, I tried out um, regarding books, which was your question. um, I read more, I suppose, self-improvement books rather than selling and business books. I mean, I'm a sucker for an autobiography. You know, I love (laughs) Nigel Mansell's story, um, Muhammad Ali, Jeff Boycott. These are kind of, where people are number one in what they do, I admire them. I, I read Mansell's book, he said, do you know why I want to be number one and win every race? Because I've stood on the number two part of the podium and it feels crap. (laughs) uh, that's it
0: yeah you can't beat that
1: there we go. so I read um some self-help stuff I read a Jack uh, a book by Jack Black called Mind Store and that was a book I read probably mid-20s and that taught me about organizing your workload and being a good person how to behave I also read Stephen Covey's Seven Habits which was quite a good one um Venus and Mars is the standard and um you know, I'd say to all teenage boys, you ought to read this. Don't make any mistakes like I did. Yeah. <laughs> so the I kind of, get more spiritual satisfaction from the selfie helpy stuff. Yeah. Um, if there's some specific, if I'm relaxed to a book now, I'm reading currently the guy who, who started Nike. My, my my 25-year-old son bought me his book for Christmas. Oh, that's really Hello. cool. Oh, Hello. So he knows what <laughs> I like. And um I don't read a lot, though. You know, I'd rather read somebody's brochure and ask them a load of really pertinent questions um and that just works for me and i know some people are really avid readers and they're far more intelligent than i but you know i play in my in my comfort zone a little bit um and i like to relax and have my balance i'm not a a slave to business by any means
0: yeah
1: yeah but i try and find a balance yeah
0: yeah okay cool that's uh yeah that's a really good answer because i um I'm, I'm quite an avid reader I, at least I say I am I try and be um I try and read as much as I can I've got a lot of books I need to read um but I haven't actually kind of got around to it yet and it's something I'm trying to improve on a bit mm. more um but in terms of like the advice you could give someone um someone say my age younger people that are in university or even in, in apprenticeships that sort of thing and um, what sort of advice yeah. could you could you give someone um you know if they're just trying to get started in business in the corporate mean... world?
1: Starting business for themselves or just starting work properly? Just
0: starting work properly.
1: Um, I would say try to work for a smaller business rather than a big corporate. I mean, corporates are great, very protective, very rules and regs, and you're safe. But you don't get a chance to advance half as quick in a big business as you do a business that employs... 15 people so i was lucky that my dad knew the boss of this little family business and while the family people block your progress they actually want you to help them and and you're not a number to them so there's no you know um the formalities dropped this is ironic because whenever i go into businesses now that want my help with stuff i always say where are your processes where's your job description and where's your roles and responsibilities and you know what for 20 years in business. I never had them, but you know, not everybody had what I had, which was this almost cosseted existence in a small business where, you know, I was the salesman. So that was great for me. I knew exactly what I had to do, which was get as much as you can for as high a price as you can from whoever you can. Yeah. And you know, that's like do it. That's a Nike thing, isn't it? Just do it. And I kind of knew um what I needed to do. But so much now, because we've changed a little bit, we've become a little bit, I dare say, snowflake on, on, on air. But, you know, oh, we're a bit I, Yeah. Human agree. resources and, and, and empathy is big. And I do say empathy is really important. But I do think we can be a little bit gullible as bosses, believing the first story that comes to us. And, you know, I don't say don't be aware of bullying don't be aware of bad apples in the in in the in the barrel because there are a lot of negative nay doers as me and my wife call them naysayers but it's it's a matter of putting that in perspective and and arriving at something closer to reality rather than a distorted story from a distressed person that's stressed because their dogs are that kind of thing you know and I'm, I'm, i'm for all you dog owners, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that, but, you know, they can t- taking things out of context and blowing it up, it's very sensational. And, you know, you only got to watch Love Island and, and Out of the Jungle <laughs> to know that stuff can get taken the wrong way. So people plant seeds and play games, and, and they're still doing this. And I think I'm happy that and, and relieved that in my era, there wasn't half as much as that going on as there is now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I'm, i uh, what was your question at the beginning i just forgot <laughs> <laughs> the amount of what advice, what advice would you give you said yeah, yeah you said yeah. <laughs> well, work for a small business but actually it was good in my age in my area to have just one or two companies on your cv now you've if you don't have eight on you you've not got enough experience yeah okay so i think i would say if you can do something with a big company, but end up with a smaller company, I would say, because yeah. your, your power of advancement and your um, the reliance that they have on you increases rather than being a little cog in a big department in a big organisation like a bank, for example. I, I couldn't think of anything more tricky for me to work in a bank. That's not me at all. Yeah. Um, or, or, or a civil servant's position. That's not me. But I've got friends who have been very happy and fulfilled doing both. And yeah. they're good good people. So, you know, it's it, you've got to do what suits you. And when something doesn't feel quite right, I think you've got to say, don't spend time flogging the dead horse because you'll be sorry you stayed in a dead end job or something you didn't enjoy. You've got to enjoy it. That's one thing that perhaps over the over the years, I've always my friends used to tease me and say, Love my job, love my job. <laughs> and for years I did. And I still actually do enjoy doing what I do. So, again, if you can afford yourself that luxury of being a bit picky or choosy, get the job that feels right for you rather than what everyone's telling you to do or what your mum wants you to do or what you think you should do. Um, Have more options available so you can choose and get variation and experience from all the places you can get it, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably a good good point in terms of there are – it's a very competitive job market at the moment but Mm. by the same token there are a lot of places that are hiring every single day you know they put new new job adverts out all the time um and as much as you know it's half the time you probably won't realize what you want to do unless you start doing things and realizing like ticking off the list i'm okay i don't want to do this okay i don't want to do that and until you realize oh actually i really enjoy this and then you keep enjoying it and then three months down the line you're like yeah okay i want to do this for the sustained period of time now you know that sort of thing yeah, that's really, that's really good advice. Thank you very much. Gonna... I think
1: what's quite uh, quite tricky these days is the modern job market's not geared the way it was forty years ago. And I'm not being too nostalgic here. You know, computers are here to sift out time wasters in the job seeking process. Yeah. And job hunt. And I think it's a shame when somebody who's got a natural personality and a warmth about their presence. They have to go online, upload a CV that might get blocked because something wasn't quite right. That, But you could have explained that. I think getting face-to-face, if you're that type of person, is a winner. And most people probably can explain better face-to-face than they can on a written CV or a work experience document. So um, when I say try and network and know someone that knows a job that's coming up, that might be better than going on to an indeed website or something like that because you're only judged on data and you're not judged on the flavor or the texture of, of what you can offer.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, that's really interesting. That's a really good point. I mean, they, like you say, computers nowadays will sift through CVs and say, Oh, this person hasn't got a degree in business. We can't employ you. Um, and it's the same with my, um, with my line of work, if you don't have a master's degree, you can't go on to the next stage. It's just as simple as that. It's just not, it's just not yeah. possible. Um, which is, I guess, sad, but also maybe a good thing in a way as well. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. Trying to learn those connections is significantly better than um, trying to make connections. Sorry. Is significantly better than trying to rely on a job that maybe fits your CV.
1: Yeah. I think it's a real shame for somebody um like, let's say you can't find the right job because you live in Wales or something, and you think, hang on a minute, i would move to Derby for the right job, but yeah. they see Wales uncross you off. And I think if you're able to articulate face-to-face, you know, you're very employable and, and, and you're a likeable guy, so why wouldn't you try and get uh, some sort of networking introduction rather than going and just relying on, on the data on your see qualifications? That said, if you are good and you're well qualified, it keeps the playing field more fair for you because you're the best of the crop. So it's not all negative. There are pluses and minuses. I think when it comes to um, when somebody needs a qualification, as long as it's relevant and vocational, I think it's a good thing to measure somebody's ability, dare I say, through a qualification.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. That's dangerous, though, isn't it? Because, you know... (laughs) We were taught how to pass exams. You know, as much as you might be brainy, you were taught how to pass the exams. And your mocks really weren't about um, applying what you knew. It was like, right, there's a formula to this. This is how you have to attack that question. Those are the bonus marks that are available in your your French. These are your structures that you can use. And you think, flipping it, if I knew all of that, but, you know, what about the poor people that don't know those little tips and tricks? It's like the cheats on Pokemon game, isn't it? You know? Pac-Man cheats, what do you call it now, the PlayStation cheats? Yeah.
0: You, know,
1: you don't know, them, never going to get to level 14, are you? <laughs> so how, you? You almost have to think of it like a video game to yourself and think, I'm on my PS4, how can I get to this level without, you know, you've got to still tell the truth, with using my skill, my guile, and tenacity, and, you know, that's those are kind of words that really get you thinking differently. Um, I used to I used to tease the boys. We've got uh, 25 and 26 they are now, but when I was 12 and 13, you know, they were they were that age. We were like going putting or crazy golfing or something, and I never let them win ever. But, <laughs> and, but I used to spook them and say, "Oh, I'm just using my dad guile," and it was like almost equivalent to sledging or talking <laughs> somebody off. You know? And and they used to hate it because it used to get under their skin a little bit, and. Sometimes thinking of different ways to do it, you know, you can get a job using your guile, using your tenacity and using your contacts and, you know, your depth of experience. That's that's best to have a lot of that in your pocket or in your quiver to fire the arrows later.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. I think um, as well on the line of finding a job that's really, really resonates with you and that you can enjoy doing for, you know, a, a long period of time um and something that me and you talked about quite a bit um and had our own kind of personal thoughts on is is the why why we do what we do why we do something yeah um, so firstly what is what is your why currently
1: are you talking in the simon sinek sense finding your why yes yeah okay uh oh, finding my i'm at the wrong end of my career to talk about finding my why, <laughs> why now. I suppose. But yeah i think i always had in the back of my mind the reason why I wanted to do a lot of the things I did were to prove that I could do it. Okay, yeah. For a lot of my life, you can imagine age 25 being an MD, that's like I had imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Almost driving home thinking, somebody's going to find you out someday, and you're going to (laughs) have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But actually it didn't happen. And and what that proved to me was that if you actually believe you can do something, if you don't know how to do it, recently, you can just Google it now. Yeah. <laughs> you had to ring somebody that had done an acquisition and, and talked about what have we got to watch for? What questions do I need to ask? And how what you know, where where are the trips gonna be? What have we got to watch for? And I think if you've got a good network, if you surround yourself, if you can, by people you admire that have got gravitas and a bit of I've been there and bought my t-shirt I'll ask him because he he's going to know yeah. and Then if if you can ask for help from people that you know are well placed to give it then and you can repay them back one day you can pay it back and, and recommend them for something else and you know a lot of people don't want you to pay it back they're just happy to give help to people who believe that they've got something to offer and they're quite flattered a lot yeah. of Yeah. Mm. Um. So my why was something like I had to prove it to myself, really. And um, it was funny. I remember meeting a, I was I was seeing a girl and I was like early 20s, and and, and her mum said to me, well, it's okay being a salesman, but are you going to get something more stable? Wow. And I had my mouth open. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so I, I probably said something like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to apply for one next week or something like that. But, I mean, if you're good at what you do, you don't have to look back. You don't have to worry about um, not being worthy because probably the way you do it is individual and you are worthy. And if you're not worthy, somebody will tell you soon enough and you'll be gone and they'll find you out. But I think yeah. a lot of the, certainly we younger, younger end. I think it's harder to believe that you've got enough of the tools to do it justice. So you may find with your first big job, gosh, <sighs> this is it now, I better not mess this up, and i am I sure I'm going to be okay? Oh, I've got the heebie-jeebies, and, and, and you can't, impostor, I believe in imposter syndrome in a big way. I really do, because I've mixed in some circles where there's been some very high-worth individuals and some real good entrepreneurial business owners, and I've thought, goodness me, what am I doing here? And then in a non-executive um, group session that we'd, uh, we'd we'd all be present in and i'd say something quite quite cutting and, and a bit obtuse like have you thought about what your wife might think and they're gonna go what's that gonna do with anything and you think well okay and now these guys are divorced so who was right to bring it up um you know, it's, hey, if you get the right one, you're lucky. If you don't, then there's always plenty more to have a little. And and thankfully now, I'm very happy with with with, with poor Helen who suffers all this nonsense that I have to <laughs> to blurt out from time to time. Um, but I, I think it's that ability to think peripherally and ask the tough questions that get you as a business individual more gravitas, more. Um, more presence, and 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 you you build your case to, to be a worthy individual. And, and, yeah. and yeah. As long as you can, you're not a prat. You can you can be real val. You can be value in most circles. And I always think that if you can add something, or ask a really a really tough question to somebody that needs a really well thought out answer, you've earned your place at the table. So yeah. it's not just yeah. saying the first thing that comes into your head. You're not asking me just any questions. You're linking things. You're making it look easy, Nat, aren't you? <laughs> but I think you Trust me, I'm thinking all the time. It. Always thinking. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's a bit of advice I'd give to anybody. Um, when you're at the other side of somebody, when you don't want to mess up and you've only got a limited time, like in an interview, I think it's too easy to focus on what you're going to say next Rather than taking your cue from what the person's just said, yeah. and I see so many really, really bad interviewers on television who don't give a flying fart about what's just been said. They're too busy getting through this interview in one minute thirty because the director's saying cut, cut. And, yeah. and it's, been, it's just been an exercise for them. Where I think an interview should be um, to coming together of minds and, and an experience, and, and both people should participate in equal number, in equal quantity. And there's got to be some come out of that thinking that was worth it. Yeah. That was really worth it. Yeah. Not just how I got got rinsed there in the last 30 seconds. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's bad, isn't it? But how many times do you see really bad interviews? I used to even bless him. Terry Wogan, he was the God of interviews, but he never let people speak. He was too busy talking himself. Jonathan Ross is the same. Yeah. He's almost answering the question before he's finished answering it, before he's finished asking it. He's almost answered it himself. Yeah, and, and I think it's very easy to become a little bit self-obsessed and a bit self-important as the key anchor interviewer person or the boss offering somebody a job to get a little bit wrapped up in yourself. In fact, let me just give you one example of that we were doing i got involved in a, in a in one of my customers he asked me if i would um participate in a in a job interview for a uh, works a works manager's role and i said okay i said where's the cv he said what i said where's the cv i want to have a look over it so i can ask him some what do you need to have a cv for I said, so i can be relevant to what he's done and question and 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 having have, have quantifying qualify these statements he makes you yeah. can't just believe And the guy said, well, you've got to believe him, haven't you? I said, I don't think you have to believe him. No. And we had this amazing interview, which was a very one-off thing, really, where halfway through, this guy, who was the boss, had his hands behind his head telling him how great he was at building this great big business up. And the guy just was so uncomfortable because he couldn't be rude and say, gosh, that's boring, get to the bit where I'm involved because I've come for a job. I don't want to hear how ace you've been over the last 20 years. Yeah. And um, it was amazing to see the dynamics. And what I was really surprised about, there was no roles assigned in this interview. So nobody knew what they should have been doing. There were no pre-rehearsed. There was no end goal. There was no strategic planning went into it at all. It was all from the hip. And basically, if the guy was nice, he was going to get the job. Yeah, yeah. All right, but it didn't qualify him to be, you know, works manager, works director. Uh, at all and um, I think there's a lot to be said for preparation and using your experience in a good way not just thinking you know it all because again somebody asked me once what why do people prepare and you prepare because you don't want to get caught out Um half the people like to think they can hoof it because they think they've been there before and they don't need to prepare and I've seen so many very confident people wrongly not prepare stuff and i think if you'd have prepared for that you'd have been three times better yeah yeah so this is kind of politely what i i I point out to them when when they employ me to look for ways i can make their business better like i said it's me the boss
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh dear no i I can definitely relate though in terms of like the the interviews because i often feel awkward saying things in in the podcast i often feel awkward like reciting stories from experiences that i've had or things that i've heard um but then you know another part of me turns around and says exactly what you said well you know this isn't isn't an interview as such it's kind of a it's just a conversation so there's no reason i can't start talking about things because it is relevant and it isn't you know it's not going to be people aren't going to turn around oh he's so boring like they're also here to you know listen to a two-way conversation not just someone constantly talking at them and me just being like one question and i'm done sort of thing Yeah, yeah, yeah i definitely i definitely relate to that
1: yeah, I think it's a it's a bit of a journey, really. It's it shouldn't be just one word answers because you haven't really asked the question skillfully enough if they're yes or no answers. Yeah, yeah. it goes back to selling where you know you're drilling for the pain. Saying what is it that you don't quite understand about your competitor's product, or what is it kind of that you want to get to achieve if you did change? You know, what would it be? What emotional things do you you're trying to dig for? Um, the, the resist what's causing the resistance to change is that dog going again yeah yeah <laughs>
0: she's a nightmare <laughs> oh, oh.
1: yeah so I think it's a bit it's a bit of a, a bit of a journey as a conversation and a meeting should always be interactive because yeah. the, you know you see people who don't really listen to what you've got to say or what anyone's saying and go yeah 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 and you think you're not bloody listening to me And, you know, I I find this a lot. I I do it as well. If I'm answering an email or sending a text to somebody and my wife asks me something, I go, huh, what? And of course, that's just a little bit rude. But, you know, I, I try and think that the person in the room should be the most important and not the phone call that's just coming in or the email that's just coming because they're not in front of you and and we try we make pledges to each other not to do the social media thing and the, you know the, the the sat on your phone bit but you know it's, it's intoxicating you can't get yeah. away from it ah, yeah, not, yeah. To, not to be a slave to it a little bit yeah because i say oh it's about business oh it's about work and
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah yeah
1: yeah oh, <laughs> so i get that as well <laughs>
0: oh fair enough awesome okay cool well um let's move it forward a bit then um we've done a lot of looking back um let's move forward a tiny bit um so currently um you're you mentioned you're kind of on a consultancy um type deal thing um i don't know what you'd call it um but how has that been kind of walking into a business and are people literally walking in and going can you help us um fix this problem or help us grow the business more is that is that basically what's happening
1: okay so what happened is when i gave up corporate life um I honestly didn't know what I was going to do for a job. I was 53 and couldn't even start to think about drawing my pension until I was 55. Um, So I went on holiday, had a great time, and when I came back, two of my pals who I'd known from a non-exec group said, uh, would you come and help us with uh, a project at work? Yeah. Um, My team leaders just don't get it. And I've told them time after time, and they still don't get it. So yeah. I answered, well, if that's how you tell them, perhaps they don't need to come over. <laughs> so what is um, I started a limited company and with the idea that then for taxation purposes I could employ my wife and so on. And and it just made real sense to set up a business. Yes. Yeah. more professional, got a website done. So what people do is it's normally somebody who knows somebody who knows me. So it's either one of my pals that I used to work alongside or somebody that I knew in business or Again, somebody I've done something good for then says, have you tried Richard? Because he's really good at that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, So I end up getting a referral probably is the best way to describe it. And usually it's something like, um, I don't really know what's wrong, but I think I do. And then you start to peel back what's really going on. And then you start to find it's the five whys. Why does that happen? So then what happens after that? So your five questions gets to almost to the to the root of what's going on. Um, and I think from there, I, I like to have perhaps a couple of days in the business looking and talking to people, interviewing people who work for the boss, interviewing people of authority and also interviewing the pawns in the chess game as well, because they don't know, let's say the boss doesn't know how the people in the coalface think about and feel about the business as much as they do the line managers, for example. Yeah. I like to have a cross section bit of feedback. I like to investigate processes. So what might happen is I might say, Oh, you've got a quality complaint there. Can I see what happens to that now? It comes in. What's your process for for, for, for diving in and, and understanding what you haven't got a process? Have you got processes for anything? Well, we've got, we just haven't written them down. We all know what we're supposed to be doing. And of course, the rejects are piling up.
0: Yeah. Because they
1: have identified they've got the break in the process at exactly the same point as they always have had, but have a guy on rework that's full time employed. And that doesn't make sense to me. So you kind of, so to answer your question, it's more like people often think they've got a problem, but they don't always know exactly what the problem is. And they, don't know what they don't know. Yeah, so the yeah, 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 You go in there and you just, like, look at it from an inquisitive investigator's point of view. Um, but what I found there is that the bosses don't always buy into it if, A, they're at fault, or, B, they have to spend too much time getting to the bottom of it with you, or they've got to champion your work because it's no good some outsider coming in because this happened two years ago with somebody else and that didn't work either. So you've got that, this repeat historical thing where yeah. who says he's going to commit to it? He never did before. He's always flitting about with the next shiny thing. So I think what I normally find is that people who work under the boss are the most frustrated because the owners, typically of businesses, can do what the hell they like, and yeah. they don't think they are answer to anyone. They pay people to say yes to them, and they probably don't care how they come across. So they can be rather abrupt. They don't want to run one-to-ones and be emotionally connecting with people that they pay money to. Yeah. They should be self-starting and self-repairing and, and very resilient people. And that's true a lot of the time, but they're missing a trick because I feel that the bosses of businesses should actually be working more for the people, not the other way around. Yeah. Okay. So, for example, one guy recently said to me, he said, and I know you're going to say, have you walked the four corners since Christmas? And I said, Stephen, that's brilliant. I'm seeing him on Thursday, actually. I do a bit of mentoring. And he knows that he's not a good communicator. He's a very, very intelligent man. But he doesn't have personal skills that involve going and saying, everything okay?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. How was your Christmas? Because he thinks it's boring. So I got him to get a little pocket notebook and get people's names on there, make a note of the guy's wife's name. Has he got any children? And then just before you approach him, just revise it yourself like a doctor would. Yeah. If you were in front of a, your general, your GP and say, oh, how is your daughter now after she's done? You remember that? Well, yeah, I just want to know how she is. And it's a bit of a pantomime. It really is. You've got to want to do it. Otherwise you think, oh, it's not necessary. But when when you do it, it really does make a difference.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, it comes back to that whole thing you mentioned of just, connecting with people because building Mm -hmm. that connection and building a connection where you even if it's just as simple as remembering their name can go such a long way to helping someone be more willing to work for you
1: yeah yeah i had um, a a phase where when i met people for the first time i used to ask them if they were married and 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 i used to put their wife's name on the second line of the entry in my phone book on my phone oh yeah darren wife lynn (laughs) (laughs) Having this dossier of
0: people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I always used to say that when you go to a company and a receptionist says, Oh, hi, Richard, still having black coffee with a dash of water in. I mean, you know, that is the difference between being a receptionist and being a guest greeter. Yeah. Yeah. But how people have their steak or your usual drink at the pub, you know, you can do it or you could do it with some. And I believe if you do that extra little bit, whether you mean it or not it comes across as that person's bothered about the effort they make when they greet somebody or or interact with people,
0: yeah yeah oh that's yeah that's yeah I totally agree that's so interesting that's amazing um well yeah if we've if we haven't got that much time left um I think the last thing I want to ask you about is the band because <laughs> because that is fantastic um oh. congratulations. <laughs> you guys have just kind of got back together. Oh, um, are you? When's your next gig? Have you had a gig yet?
1: Okay, do you want a bit of history on that first? For the yeah,
0: yeah, 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 definitely, yeah.
1: Okay, so when I was um, I was seventeen, I auditioned for this band. I did a bit of showing off, and I got in. And we went off to do the working men's clubs of West Yorkshire. Um, we were out most Saturdays and Sundays back in the day when working men's clubs weren't Indian restaurants as they're yeah. on or snooker clubs, and um, we were busy. We had a transit van, there were five guys, and we used to just have a great time, all aged between 17 and 22. So we had yeah. a, complete, a complete laugh. We didn't have any responsibilities. And, of course, then you start to meet the girl of your dreams or you don't want to go out on a Saturday night, you want to go somewhere else. And the band obviously went its own way, like a lot of professional bands do. They are yeah. you know, more diverse and they want to do their own thing. So we were away from each other. We kind of broke up a little bit. There was no real animosity. It was just it came to a logical conclusion. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, I was sat New Year's Eve with a, a big beer in my hand. And I said to my wife, do you know what would be a real good idea if we could get the band back together and just have one gig? She says, well, with Facebook and stuff, you can just find people now. So why don't we see if we can find the guys and see if they'd be interested? Yeah. So I Well, they might have died by now. It's 37 years later. So, of course, we're now 55 up to 61, I think, the oldest of the band is. And clearly, we've got different things in life. So that all our responsibilities, actually, we're now at the other end of our responsibilities where we've got our mortgages have gone, our kids have grown up, and we've got spare time and a bit of money to invest in some proper instruments. Yeah. So a couple of the guys bought guitars again. And, and got going on starters and they've now moved up to something they're happy with i am actually the only one that's still got his drum kit that i had 37 years ago
0: wow which, that's amazing
1: because i bought the best i could afford i've got a premier drum kit
0: yeah a set
1: of cymbals, and they were the best i could afford and if i had to buy them again today i couldn't really get any better yeah, so I never yeah. The test of time um so we got back together we started practicing and our singer was working away he couldn't make it long story but kind of 12 months further on um, we got to a point in summer this year where we said do you know what we could do a gig now couldn't we so we, we the singer said well my daughter's getting married in December could we play at her gig a, a night party um, as a surprise so we said yeah we could do that but I don't think that should be the first time we play we should probably have a dress rehearsal would be appropriate all of that pressure
0: all of that yeah. pressure
1: So we ended up lining up a gig for the end of November last year as the dress rehearsal for the wedding gig. Um, We play stuff like Status Quo, Beatles, Jam, Yellow. It's kind of rocky stuff, Bon Jovi, Stereophonic. So it's a little bit modern. Even you'd know some of it, I'm sure. And and we did this gig in the local club in Murfield. And there was probably 150 people in there. And we'd basically press-ganged most of our mates and address books to come and support us. And it was a night where it went so well. We did it, We did a good job, and everybody said how remarkably surprised they were because it wasn't that bad. <laughs> a few nice people did say it was very good. And yeah. the idea we weren't doing it regularly. So to answer your question, now you've had the backfill, is the club we were at said, "Would you come back in spring and do us another gig, a repeat?" Yeah. So end of March, I'll expect okay. you there, Nat.
0: Yeah. Let me know time and place. I'll do it. Okay.
1: okay. And uh, so that's the next, the next gig. Although, do we have something at the end of January, which is a a fiftieth birthday party for somebody that was at that gig who wants us to play for their private party? So yeah. there's a little bit of stuff in between, but we don't want to play the same stuff that we've just learned. We want to learn some new stuff. And of course, when you get past fifty, it's harder to learn stuff as quick so we have to be patient and do things <laughs> a few at a time. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, But
1: really, it's like a breath of fresh air because all the girls or the wives, that they all get on. So like a big group of, well, there's only four of us, actually, because our lead guitarist did a wobbly and, and went, but we covered it with our rhythm guitarist. He's, he's covered it, and he's doing really well. We've got eight of us now. It's four girls. We've got four guys playing in the band and a social scene that's great. You know, we've got parties and barbecues and stuff that it's yeah. become. I've found my friends again, my family. It's been great. It's a real buzz. We don't do it for money. We do it for fun. Um, Although we are getting paid, so that's good.
0: Ah, there you
1: go. Cover expenses, though, so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing a few more gigs. You know, one every couple of months is plenty for us, really. And it's more a spectacle for us to look forward to something in the diary. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that, doing more of those. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's awesome i'm I'm excited to see it in the uh, in the <laughs> spring It's gonna be great
1: <laughs> so? I'll let you know
0: yeah definitely okay awesome well um i will um I'll let you go thank you yeah. so so much for coming on. I really really appreciate it. It's been a absolutely fantastic chat. It's been really, really enjoyable um have you got any any people that you wanna say hi to um thank or just generally plug your business anything like that
1: um that I don't think that'd really be me, if I'm honest with you. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Anybody that wants uh, a good old boy to give him some honest feedback, who's not afraid of the truth, then I can come and do that gladly. Um, I work on a day by day basis. If somebody wants a taster, um, I also run a leadership development group that I know that you're you're quite interested in. Definitely. And this is yeah. The the second in command or rising stars. In a business, anybody that works for the boss or who wants to start their own small business up, then I'm I'm doing that every couple of months um at a lovely venue in in in, in Weatherby, and uh, I've got a couple of spaces uh free if anybody's interested to join. But if you want to come for a tryout, you can just come for a tryout. So please get in touch via you if you want, um, or you might put some details together. I don't know, but uh, yeah,
0: yeah, we'll yeah. work it out. Yeah,
1: yeah, okay, that's great. Well, I tell you what, I've enjoyed that and i can't believe it's an hour since we started yeah like, it's
0: crazy it's crazy isn't
1: it <laughs> it's good and uh, maybe maybe you could invite me back if i'm well behaved
0: oh definitely definitely yeah <laughs> awesome thank you so much richard i will yep. see you very soon
1: superb thanks again all the best
0: see ya <laughs>